All right, so we are Root Solutions, learning how to control the basics. I am Kyron Kubos. I'm Noah Drew over here. And today we're going to be reviewing our last podcast, um, Task Positive and Task Negative. Um, we had some questions about um, maybe task negative being a bad thing, <clears throat> which, you yeah, know, for sure. the name kind of says it, but uh, we know that it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Um, in psychology, we have negative reinforcement, right? Which is not always a bad thing. Um, and yeah, so, I think a lot... Go ahead. A lot gets lost in in translation with a lot of this stuff. But I, I, before we get into that, Kai, I, I wanted to do. I know you got a new toy. I saw you playing with it on Instagram. Um, it it looks kind of like a weird contraption. I mean, obviously, we've talked a lot about it, but I, I know you're excited about it. Tell oh, tell the, yes. uh, the the vast listeners out there what what you were doing on Instagram today. Vast listeners, yes, all of them, <laughs> all six. Um, so yeah, I got an ISOPHIT, I-S-O-P-H-I-T, um, you know, the cool way of saying, f um, so basically it's a, uh, pro protractor. That's the one that's like the degrees, right? I believe. Yeah. Um, not the, what's the other one? Compass or something. I don't know. But yeah, so basically it goes in various degrees. Um, uh, the ones that are mainly used are 30, 30 degrees, 45 degrees and 90 degrees. But um, this guy invented it, he's up in Canada. Shout out to Canada, eight. eight. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, he's been in the muscle activation techniques community. He took that course and then used it to build this machine because a lot of it's based out of biomechanics. And, um, but yeah, man, I mean, he came up with a workout that's called 30 and 30, you do 30 exercises in 30 minutes. Uh, each exercise you hold for about 45 seconds and you get a 15 second rest, which was uh, pretty, pretty brutal, um, to be honest. Um, and you're holding it. So it's, uh, it's not like- To help, to help you guys understand what, we're, what Kai's talking about here is, um, the idea behind isometrics, right? So isometrics is basically like you're producing force in a position, but you're not actually moving. So yeah. Kai is just actually just standing still. So to the naked eye, it looks like Kai is literally doing nothing. Uh, yeah. The reality is he's <laughs> doing a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. But again, to the naked eye, it looks kind of weird because it looks like he's not doing anything. So yeah. isometrics are something that Kai and I have both um, used in our training and our treatment for a long time. One of the things you're taught in school with treating people is before you load them, you make sure that they can isometrically hold contractions and then you eccentrically load them after. So the idea of isometrics is not new by any means, but what this guy in Canada has done is found a machine that puts all the, essentially the, the movements that people would do in isometrics together in one place, making it way easier for you to do them all. Um, the idea here, and this is coming from like the meatiest of meatheads folks. The idea here is, is that you're, you don't really necessarily need weight, right? Weight is really just like a, an obligatory thing, right? Our body needs inputs. And we'll, we'll talk later down the road about this. This is really, I get real fun into this stuff, but um, so 
the reason this is such a cool thing for Kai and myself is that it's an opportunity to one, use isometrics better and two, get into these weird ass positions much easier. So when you look at Kai's post, he's, it looks pretty awkward and weird, but the reality is, is those positions are insanely difficult to hold. Yeah, for sure. Don't mind the seizuring head. It looks really weird. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> and my fro, that was pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, holding, holding an isometric, I mean, everyone's, I mean, I hope everyone's held a plank before and that's similar, but with this, it's, he, he has something called a, a force matching technology that, you know, whatever force that you're applying to the bar, um, it pushes the same amount. So it, it's a little bit more safe and it's at an angle, right. Um, you know, me and Noah both know that we don't move our body and muscles in a linear fashion that doesn't go in a straight line. It goes in an arc. And right. so that's what's the beauty of this machine is that it goes in an arc. Whereas barbells can only go in an arc if we make it go in an arc. So right. um, that's what makes this really, really interesting for me, especially because of the population that I work with. Um, you know, right. a, lot of, a lot of my clients are, past the age of 60 and um, I'm actually going to take my grandma through this which she is 88 I think I hope. yeah um, I, hope, I hope I got that right <laughs> yeah I hope I got that right but yeah so I mean just it's just so so safe so simple um, it was just a no-brainer for me to get it and start toying around with it and you know it's not only meant for that population it is meant for every population and so taking kids through it taking high schoolers through it, college middle age whatever it is it's safe and you know there's just endless options to do it um the guy has a thousand different exercises you can do with it uh, but it also plays into what noah does um in frc um, right you know there's usually yeah, there's just like, like I said, there's endless options. Um, and it's just going to be really fun to work with. I think the cool thing, I, I look forward to playing with it myself. I think the cool thing is, is in FRC, one of the things that we talk about a lot is, you know, putting people in positions that one, they can control and then loading it. This allows people to be in a safe position loaded. And so Kai brings up elderly and kids. And I think, you know, you have, you have a lot of parents that are really concerned with kids, you know, being loaded with significant amounts of weight. This is an opportunity to really strengthen ranges in a really, really, really safe way. It, the, the application in this thing could be really, really cool. And we, we both believe in it and really hope that from a company perspective, it's, it's uh, really successful. I would love at some point, hopefully, to get the, the producer of the product on our podcast. I think it'd be cool for him from exposure perspective, but I think it'd be cool for us to like be able to talk about that stuff. So fingers crossed guys down the road, that'll be something we can put together. Um, But I definitely recommend looking up Kai's post and taking a look and seeing what he was doing. Uh, You guys will see a lot of those movements look like regular gym movements. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not, they're not weird. They're not, you know, outlandish. They're normal stuff that you would see in a gym setting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good, Kai. I think that's awesome. I uh, I'm jealous. I wish I had a toy that fun to play with. Um, 
Oh, it'll but, be near uh, you soon. It'll be near me soon, so I'll come and see Kai. Um, so, guys, last week we talked about task positive and task negative. We brought up a lot of really, really nerdy stuff. You know, we talked about the vagal nerve, and we talked about the portions of the vagal nerve, and we talked about the brain communicating the body and, and the other way around. And um, I think some of the importance of that conversation got lost. And so I wanted to take an opportunity to kind of step back for a second and simplify it. Um, I had a really, really, really interesting conversation this week with one of my patients. And what ended up happening was quite literally the entirety of our session, we talked about the podcast, which um, was great. Um, but she said a few things that really like connected me to some things that I hadn't thought about. And, um, I never really understood why it was so important for me personally to understand the biology of stuff when I was going through all my, even now, honestly, going through my struggles. And for me, it was like, well, therapy for a lot of people, therapy is enough. And for me, it wasn't. And I think one of the things that she said was learning about the way her body works from a biological perspective takes a lot of pressure off of her because she realizes that it's not just her. It's not her all the time. It's not her beating herself up. It's these are natural progressions and reactions. Um, I had posted something on my, my Instagram regarding how um, we're getting closer and closer to Wally. So those of you that haven't seen it, oh, yes. Disney movie, um, oh, but Wally. Wally. So <laughs> Wally is um, a robot on a planet full of aliens and he, or uh, humans, and he's cleaning up after the messes that they make. But the perspective and the perception of humans is that they're not humans anymore. They're like blobby versions of where life is too easy. Mm-hmm. And so one of the questions this young lady asked me was like, well, what's enough work? Like, what, what brings, what, what, what's enough stuff for me to do a day to make me connect and be more human, right? Like what's enough working out? What's enough, all this stuff. And um, I had to stop for a second and really think about it. And one of the things that really like kind of like shook me a little bit was if you look at pre-industrial revolution, right? Before, you know, we went to regular schools and before we had regular jobs in, in industrial cities and the abundance of food was really, really sparse and everything we did in life was based around food. So when you look at from a biological perspective, the best versions of humans were pre-industrial revolution. They were waking up with the sun. They were going to bed with the sun. So they were getting tons of morning light, which is hugely valuable from a neurological perspective. Um, They were getting enough sleep because they worked all day long. So they were exhausted. So there wasn't any, Uh, staying up at night staring at the ceiling because you were stressed out it was you were literally done um i I can guarantee they exceeded ten thousand steps a day um (laughs) they were (laughs) easily right they were picking up hay barrels right right you gotta check the fitbit they were picking up hay barrels they were turning butter um and this is true of men and women right women were like beating wool shirts that were full of water against rocks and then carrying them back and forth. Like, I mean, this was legit hard work. Women, women were so strong that they were having babies standing up. They were literally just standing up, squatting and dropping babies out. Right. Which actually is the way it's supposed to work. But the reality is, is like, we're just not strong enough to do any of those things normally. And so when people ask me like, how much work is enough work? My, my answer is like, uh, it's, it's infinity. The, the, your body's built to move, built to move all day long. 
So when thinking about why you're, you have this emotional distress or you have this discomfort of all these things, I think it's important to understand, and I say this a lot, but it's not your fault. The world we live in is not suited for humans, right? Well, our body is trying to evolve and adapt and it's trying to do so in like less than a hundred years time, right? Which is the, this is the biggest jump we've made as humans in technology in the shortest amount of time. Typically, we have these large evolutionary trials, right? That allow our human, the human body to adapt. So like our brains can't keep up with the amount of blue light, the, you know, um, I mean, really all of it, if I'm really honest with you. Radiation. So radiation and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and like all this exposure, right? And you got to think too, from a peripheral standpoint, our nervous system is so inundated, right? Hardly ever are we going to sleep when it's actually pitch black or when there's no noise in the background, right? Because we all live off busy streets or there's street lights or, right? We're going to sleep with the TV on or, and we can go mm. on for, for days and days, right? Whereas mm. those of you that have gone to like Wyoming and been out in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing. You see every star, there's, you can hear a pin drop. For someone like me who's grown up in the city, it makes me uncomfortable, literally uncomfortable. I mean, I know Kai, you're in Torrance, so like I can only imagine for you what it's like. Um, I mean, for the most part, it's pretty quiet, but there is definitely the lights that that ruin it. I did spend um, like a weekend out in uh, Lodi, so very, oh, very, cool. very weird place. Yeah. But I mean, uh, we we drove out at night and they're literally like there was no street lights there was like it was like pitch pitch black and i was like yeah this is kind of cool and then i realized that we're like by a forest and a lot of homeless people are there so i was a little yeah. bit scared but um <laughs> but yeah i mean yeah. it's it's definitely like like silence is golden as amc would say but, right. um, but actually, I will say this, um, I did go on a hike on Sunday in okay. Malibu, Malibu Creek State Park. Don't ask okay. me why I was all the way out there. Um, oh, we but, know why you were all the way out there. <laughs> it had to have been a girl. There's um, no other reason to be out there other than a girl. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, we've hiked <laughs> up there and there, were, there weren't that many people, but we got to a point where um like there's nobody around us and like it was just like silent like yeah your silence and i like we stopped and i was like we need to enjoy this because i don't know when the last time i've ever <laughs> ever heard silence like this before. right and so we just kind of stood there there's a breeze there was no like crickets there were no like birds chirping it was just like silent which it felt good it was like Wow, like I've I haven't heard this in so long. So kind of weird, but something to think about, guys. Think about that. Like, think about how far Kai had to go out <laughs> into like nowhere to not hear sounds, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So to my original point, I think it's important for people to understand that like your body is trying to play keep keep like, trying to catch up. It's trying to keep up with. The evolution as a human and it, it it's losing right it's going to probably lose for quite some time mm -hmm. so i think you know 
these conversations become more important than I even originally thought that they were going to be because the reality here is, is that people need to know that it's not their fault because I think it takes away a lot of the emotional perspective of I did this to myself and I, I don't think most people do. Yeah. And I, I do want to make another point um, to that. Like, well, how much work is enough work? Um, I think we have touched on this um, in prior podcast but when i was talking about the the rate of muscle decay in our body right and the rate of um you know our age right we're not we're definitely not getting younger so right. we're always constantly battling um i guess for lack of better to better for lack of better term decay right right we're getting older our uh, immune systems are getting challenged all the time. Our muscles are decaying all the time. You know, everything is just, is not getting better, I guess, by us not doing anything. Right. Right. So we always are constantly battling, like getting better. Right. And that's not right. just with our body, but with our minds. Um, when, if you go back to the idea of our body's true function, right. Mm -hmm. is to stay alive that's the one and only function of our body our yeah. actual function right yeah and i think that you know a lot of people um think like okay well once i get here i won't have to do any more work or once i right. do this then it'll be good and and it's just not true and people right. have to start coming to grips with the work is never done um, right. And, you know, I think we talked about uh, like our meditation, right? Our meditation is not to get to a place where we don't have to meditate anymore. It's meditation is the, the journey, I guess, if you will, right. that's never done, right? The work that is never done. So I think that, um, you know, we, we have to start thinking in that uh, frame of mind so that we don't get down on ourselves that, you know, well, this is happening to me. I, I can't get any stronger. I can't do any of this. It's like, no, you can. You just got to keep working. Right. That's, that's uh, super important. And I think, I think that kind of ties back into like the reason these conversations become important too, right? Is like the, the conversation with my patient was really positive for me from a sense of understanding how this podcast becomes helpful because ultimately like when Kai and I did this, we were like, we have some interesting ideas that we want to get out there, but we didn't really understand uh, how it could help people other than just get the information out there. Now I realize where the value is in this podcast for our patients is mm -hmm. the reality is, is this helps you understand who you are and the biology of you and that biology connecting to the rest of the world. And so with that being said, our conversation, my conversation with this young lady took me down a pretty interesting conversation regarding past positive and past negative. And she had talked with her fiance a, a lot about it and just trying to understand, you know, what the hell we are talking about. And she got some really interesting stuff out of it and she did a good job. But one of the things that we didn't talk enough about last week was test positive and test negative is a feedback loop, right? Mm -hmm. So neither are better or worse than the other. So Kai had mentioned early on that the term negative doesn't mean anything, right? It's, it's, it's just a, a word. You have to understand that all of this stuff was defined by the medical field and the medical field uses words very differently 
than we do as a general population. So if you find out that you have a negative test, that can be a good thing, right? Because if it's negative for cancer, then that's, a, that's great. Um, so negative isn't always bad. So when, I, when we think about task negative, what I want us to start thinking about is it's not bad and it's a default network. Now, I mentioned that last week, but I don't think I was clear enough about what default mechanism means. So your brain has default settings, just like your car radio, right? So if I get in my car radio and I'm, I'm bumping Tupac and I'm hey. like, yo, I want some more, I want, right? Hey, <laughs> I want some more bass. I'm going to crank the bass up, right? We are no longer in default settings in our car. We've now adapted those settings and changed those settings. But every car that every time the car resets, the settings reset, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that means every time my battery dies, I got to like, crap, I got to crank up the bass again for Tupac. So that becomes important to understand here because every time you go to sleep, right? You're resetting your settings. Every time you have a new inter- interaction, it's resetting your settings. Sometimes that happens multiple times per minute, right? So task negative is a default setting, meaning that it's the place your brain goes when there's change. So essentially what it's doing is it's evaluating safety. So I don't look at task negative as a bad thing. I look at task negative as a really good thing. It keeps me safe, right? It evaluates what's happening and makes me safer. Yeah. I would say more like a checks and balances type of hundred percent thing. Yeah. I think that's a far better way to define it is it's the checks and balances to the system. Yeah. Now that said, if I stay in task negative all the time, now we have a problem, right? Because my default setting is broken. And I can't adjust or grow out of my default setting. So if your car battery dies every day and every day you have to turn the base up again, that gets really freaking annoying, right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Been there, done that. <laughs> right? So you're at this point, you're like, I need a new car, right? Like, mm-hmm. damn it. Like, this car sucks. Well, it's kind of the same thing with your body, right? The idea is that if... I'm stuck in a default setting. I never get to feel the benefit of test positive, right? And potentially I can continue to have negative feedback loops that lead to bad things, right? And so we've talked about the body in terms of yin and yang quite a bit, but I think the thing to understand with yin and yang is too much yin isn't good and too much yang isn't good. It's about balance. Yeah. So, if I'm stuck in task negative, we got a real problem, right? Yeah. That's going to mean, bear in mind, remember we talked about this before, but in task negative action happens, right? So being in task negative means that I can't digest food. I can't have positive social interactions. I can't do all the things that are parasympathetic, right? Which we talked about that last week. The other issue with it is I can't learn. Learning happens and task positive. You have to feel comfortable to adapt, change, and learn. Now, I would argue that tools are developed tools are developed from trauma. So we still need that trauma, right? We had a whole podcast about that. Mm-hmm. And that trauma isn't always bad. But if I don't get to task positive, I dwell in that negative feedback loop. 
which is what, Kai? Not good. Not good, right? It's, it's yeah. depression. Depression, yeah. That's literally depression, right? That's the definition of depression is I'm stuck in everything's bad. Yeah. We've all met those people, right? That like, they just can't get a win. Everything about their life is bad. And then when they think everything in their life is bad, guess what? It, it gets bad. worse. Yeah. Right? It's, it's worse. And I know, Kai, you've had interactions with people like that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think what happens is once you start getting that negative feedback loop, like uh, every time I do this, this happens and it's negative, right? In their mind um, that it's bad then they think, okay, every time I do that, then it's going to turn out bad. And then, right. and then it just becomes a loop, like we talked about, right? right? If I do this, it's going to be bad. If I do this, it's going to be bad. If I do this, it's going to be bad. And then that just becomes their life. And then that becomes right. their depression. Right. Um, or then it becomes why try, right? Exactly. Yeah. It just kind of diminishes their, um, I guess, their reach for task positive or a different... Right route so i think yeah i mean it's it definitely isn't a good route to go to um no. but what would you say would be i mean before you get to depression what would you say would be like an indicator for someone that they would be in that task negative for too long like we're coming to so, so i think evaluating where you are in terms of the feels right like your actual feelings becomes important Right. Like having a real pause, like having a real, like serious conversation with yourself and look in the mirror and say, like, you're like, I'm not happy. Right. Um, I can speak to that personally because I've been there. But basically what the way I look at it is, is I think about it as if you're sitting in your living room and your front door is unlocked. Every time somebody walks into your front door unannounced you're going to get uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. As well, you should, yeah. because it could be danger, right? Yeah. If imagine this, you're sitting in your living room, watching TV, everything's great. You're happy as can be. And then you hear the doorknob jiggle on your door. Doesn't even open, just jiggles. What's the immediate reaction? Oh, right. Call the cops like shit. Yeah. I'm in trouble, right? And that's not even the door didn't even open, right? We don't even know. Conversely, what if somebody opens the door and they just start laughing and they're like, oh shit, I'm in the wrong house. And then they like close the door real quick and run away. Do you suddenly feel safer? No. Of course. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, like, my oh, door I'm unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, so I went the wrong way. <laughs> for me, the way I look at it is, is... Every time something happens in your life, it's the door opening, right? It's, mm -hmm. oh shit, who is that? Now, here's the thing. Door opens and it's uh, your mom. You suddenly have this feeling of relief, right? Everything's good. It's my mom. We're cool. Uh, door opens. It's a spouse. Oh, we're cool, right? He's home early. Awesome. Love this guy. And so that's the way I want you guys to think about task negative and task positive, right? Is... I should feel danger when my door opens and it's, I don't know somebody's coming. Mm -hmm. Right now the question becomes, what are things I can do to feel more comfortable with, for my, with my door? Right. Well, like 
personally, I'm a 300 pound dude who's boxed for multiple years, has done jiu-jitsu, has a 70 pound dog. Um, I feel pretty comfortable that if somebody comes to my house unannounced, they're either going to leave or they're going to, it's not going to be that fun for them. For me, right? What that does for me is that gives me confidence and I'll feel a little less nervous when the door opens. Now, conversely, if you're a young lady who's small, who doesn't have self-defense tools, who doesn't have any tools to feel comfortable when the door opens and I walk in, you're going to crap your pants as well. You should. Right. And I think that's where this becomes a really important conversation because Kai's question right away is like, so how do we fix that feedback loop? What as the young lady could you do to feel more comfortable about somebody coming in your house unannounced? You could go to a gun safety class and learn how to protect yourself with a firearm. You can go to self-defense classes. You could deadbolt the door. You can move to a better community. You can, there's endless possibilities, things you can do, but those are all acquisition of tools. So if you're in a task negative loop, over and over and over again. The only way to get out of that is acquisition of tools to get out of that. I hope that's a clearer example of how to get out of depression. I have to acquire the tools to get out of that. Some of that is recognition, right? Mm -hmm. It's recognizing that if somebody walks in the door that I don't know and I'm uncomfortable with, that scares me, I have to recognize that that's what drives the danger, drives that task negative feedback loop, right? Now, conversely, on a task positive sense, task positive is where we're gonna drive education and learning, right? Because I feel safe. So when I was having this conversation with this, my, my patient, she has trust with me. She believes in me. She, 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 everything about me is positive to her, right? I'm here to help her. And she genuinely believes that I have her best interest in mind. So because she has a task positive feedback for me, when we link up, she gets kind of happy because she knows like, hey, I have an opportunity to learn here and get better. Now, this is what's important to understand here, guys, that task positive, that connection, that, that positive social interaction that her and I have allows her to learn right? Because she doesn't feel uncomfortable. She can take what I say. She can process it. She doesn't feel judged. And I think that that becomes really important here for, for people out there to understand is that if I'm stuck in a negative feedback loop, it's really, really difficult to get out of that by myself. And it's really difficult to learn and grow and evolve. So if you're somebody who wants to change your world, you're going to have to learn, grow and evolve, which means you have to get the task positive, right? Now, these, these, you guys have to understand, these are proven, this is science. This is biological loops. These are networks in your brain. This isn't like, these aren't some like whimsical things we're talking about here. This is real stuff. So you have to understand that connecting to your biology is going to allow you guys to hopefully help fix yourselves. Yeah. Now, I think what we really, go ahead, Kai. I was just going to ask, is it bad to stay in positive, fast positive? Yeah. And I think that's a great question. I think staying in task positive for too long puts you into a place where you have a false sense of security, right? So though it is valuable from a perspective of learning, we now, we know the dangers of task negative, right? I always 
am stuck in this feedback loop of bad, bad, bad. Well, if everything's good, good, good without any real perception, you become the person that thinks you can manifest reality, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my life is good. So if I, if I put it on paper, it'll happen, right? That's not always the way it works, right? We have to have the yin and yang. We have to go back and forth because we do need to have trauma to acquire tools. Additionally, you have this false sense of reality. So like, that's the person that's like, well, I can start a business and it will be successful. There's a lot of risk there, right? Mm -hmm. It's also the person that's like at the bar who's talking shit to the person that's twice their size that ends up getting dropped on their head, right? Because- they, they, they don't think that they're in danger ever. So yeah. yeah, the reality is, is like for this to work correctly, there has to be yin and yang, right? We need both to evolve as a human and to really value joy. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's, yeah. that's really good. Cool. So that said, we, what we want to do is we want to connect that feedback loop to pain. So today's podcast, really, we didn't have a clear parameter of where we wanted to go with this other than we wanted to make sure that it was understood what task positive and task negative is. I think it's really, really, really important. Um, but now I want to kind of bring that back to pain and how pain works and how pain functions. So I'm going to outline the three kinds of pain and then I'm going to I'll let Kai talk a little bit more here and then I'll talk some more too and whatever, we'll do our thing. But there's three types of pain, right? We have biological, psychological, and social. Now, until about 30 years ago, we didn't know that pain had three factors to it. We just thought pain was pain and it was a biological stimulus and a feedback loop. But what we've come to realize is pain kind of functions like, if you were to think of it from an example of like three piles of Play-Doh, right? And one pile of Play-Doh, which is biological, is green. The psychological pile of Play-Doh is purple. And the social pile of Play-Doh is pink. When you combine all three of those together and mush them around, the lines become very blurry on which of those is the real feedback loop for pain, right? Because biological pain can stimulate psychological pain. Psychological pain can be driven by social surroundings, right? Um, but what we, I want people to understand here is if I'm in a negative feedback loop, what's going to happen is it's going to drive me closer to pain in general. And specifically, it's going to drive me closer to one of these things. Now, Kai, I know you spent a ton of time dealing with, um, psychological pain. So I'll give you a second here and let you kind of talk your way through and describe what psychological pain and how psychological pain affects the human body. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Uh, and I love that analogy of the Play-Doh. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, psychological pain can be, um, you know, come from both sides, right? Um, it can come from the social side that, you know, for example, being not being not fitting in, right? Right. You know, being in a social environment such as high school, middle school, college, and not fitting in with kids and trying to fit in, you want to fit in so badly, but they all keep rejecting you. So then you have a negative feedback loop. When I put myself out there, I get rejected. Right. So then that becomes the error, right? Um, and that can show up as depression, as anxiety, 
um, and just overall not wanting to put themselves out there. Um, but also the, the other way from being biological, right? Having knee pain or like you, your, your client having um, knee pain, right? Causing right. her to think about like embarrassment right right or making herself look weird or in in the eyes of others um so i think that there's um you know a lot of different factors that that come with psychological but i i don't think it's psychological alone i think it it kind of pairs together with other types of pain and um yeah and and um, you know, I work a lot with emotions and how, um, you know, how we interpret those emotions. So like, for example, one of my clients, she has uh, knee pain, had knee right. pain for a long time. Granted, there is biological pain there because it is bone on bone, but a lot of it is inflammation and, and just, um, you know, th there's a lot of different things. But one of the things that we did look at was, um, you know, there's a, there's a muscle on the back of the knee called the popliteus, and that connects to um, the, I got to double check on this. Dang it. Uh, <laughs> well, Kai's doing that. I, uh, call battery. The call battery. Yeah. The call battery. So something to, something to keep in mind, guys, if you've been alive, you've, you odds are have some sort of biological tissue damage right so like i played baseball kai played baseball there's a guarantee that both of us have at least a grade one tear in our labrums right because the nature of throwing a baseball is bad for you if if you've fallen and and twisted your ankle you probably have some damage in your ankle that doesn't mean that it has a feedback loop of pain which is why like i have a hard time when people reference mris because MRIs really don't tell the whole story. Like if I told you I had shoulder pain and then you went and did an MRI, the doctor's going to go, Oh yeah, you have a torn labrum, but I've had a torn labrum my whole life. Like probably from the, from when I was 12 throwing a baseball, right. That doesn't tell me really what's wrong. It just says that I have a torn labrum, which doesn't answer my question. So it's something important to hear is like people are, people have all kinds of issues in terms of biological stimulus with no pain. And that's really important to understand, especially in Kai's patient's case is a beat up knee doesn't mean you have to be in pains. Go on Kai. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, that is very true. Um, but yeah, so, so popliteus connected to the gallbladder, right? And the gallbladder is connected energetically with frustration, rage um, as emotions. And so, um, you know, with that, she did not have a good relationship with her husband. So then there was frustration happening all the time when she would go home because they would argue about something. And so then we had to start taking a look at, okay, well, there's social pain there, there's psychological right. pain there, and obviously there's biological pain. So how do right. we attack this, right? So, um, we definitely had to look at what the frustration was. How do we um, not eliminate, but how do we process that and let that go, right? Because everything's a flow, right? Everything has, we, we get 
obstacles or, or uh, trials that come to us, how do we deal with it? And then how do we let that go? So right. um, teaching her, right? Acquiring, giving her the tools to understand where the frustration is coming from. How do we let that go? And then we can start looking at the biological part of it. And that's right. where a lot of the FRC, the MAT, the PDTR, the manual therapy, the exercises come in to attack the pain on the other side. And that's something I've kind of learned over the years of working with patients. People ask me a lot, like, how, why do you have, you know, basically like you have this podcast as a strength coach and as a physical therapist, why aren't you talking more about physical therapy, physical therapy and strength coach stuff, which we will, I promise. But the thing that I want you to understand is that I'm realizing from all my, my time spent with patients that the most valuable piece here is the psychological portion, right? I'm, I see my job is to find patterns and trends in humans. And one of the things that I'm finding from a pattern perspective and a trend perspective is everybody who comes and sits on my table typically has some sort of emotional distress associated with the pain. And it's usually like a one-to-one -one ratio. It's like, oh, I'm in pain and I'm also unhappy in my relationship with my boyfriend or I'm unhappy in my job or I'm whatever else it may be. You know, most of the people we, we talk to that are in pain are also suffering from a human perspective. Sorry, I don't know if that was my internet or yours, but you cut out there. How much did that cut out? At least on my end. Um, no. So well, I don't know what you guys missed or didn't miss. Let's, uh, let me refresh that really quick. Yeah. The people, the most people I interact with have a one-to-one -one ratio of being sad and depressed as well as being in pain. So seldom do I have people sit down and are really, really happy and in really great moods that are in, that are also in pain. Almost always there's a one-to-one -one ratio to like, my boyfriend sucks or I'm unhappy with my career evolution or I don't like my job or, and we can go on for days. What I was saying, Kai, is I think you probably have a similar exposure to it as well, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and it always comes down to like, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? We really don't. Right. Know. And never. Um, and honestly, it doesn't really matter. Right. It because, because at the end of the day, um, you know, the biggest thing that we talked about is social, uh, positive social interaction, right? We're, we're community-based species, I think. Right. And so being able to be in a judgment-free zone to express how you feel, that could almost be that, that um, release or that letting go of those emotions right. by just talking to someone about it. And because our society is so... Um, I don't even adverse from conversation yeah adverse from like deep conversation and, and just opening up right um they always think oh i need to talk to somebody who sits me on a couch and asks me how i feel um right it's, it's not always the thing that you need right like talking right. to a best friend talking to your parents talking to your siblings talking to somebody who just can listen um can be that emotional release um and i think I think that's a really important idea, Kai, because that's 
the struggle that we're in now as a society, right, mm-hmm. is when we've been removed from people so directly, you know, in California just had another, we just went to another lockdown. Yeah. Um, when you've been removed from people, you start having a really hard time being okay. And I think for me, one of the things that I really struggle with when it comes to like what's going on in California is kids, you know, like kids, young kids, high school age kids, not even my age kids, just kids are really struggling with the idea of just being alone. And they feel very, very alone. And I think that that's a really, really important idea here of that this isolation is only going to contribute to more discomfort, to more fear, to more, I mean, to more, 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 like the, yeah. the, the mores are endless here. Yeah. And I think I would argue that it, I don't think it's that we're being, I mean, obviously, yes, being isolated is bad, but you know, like we talked about, like being in that for too long, isn't good. Right. But I think right. what the biggest problem is, is that we aren't, we don't acquire the tools to be alone. Right. Right. I think that that's the bigger issue here. If um, I could get to the root solution. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, kids aren't taught how to be alone. Kids right. are only taught how to be with the family, how to be with friends, but they're not taught how to like really sit with themselves and understand like who they are, which I don't, I don't know if that's necessary or not. Like you learn that as you go, but um I think that, you know, when you start moving out on your own and you, and then you're by yourself, then you start to learn, but, you know, being taught, like, you know, like I love seeing other countries, other places teaching kids how to meditate. And that's one tool, right. To be by yourself. Like you're not listening to somebody, you're not, um, you know, going with, uh, whatever social media says, whatever it is, it's, can you sit with yourself and focus on your breathing? What I will, you kind of hit on something as a parent, as someone who's not a parent, I think it's, it's really intuitive. What you just said is this idea of being alone. I think for young kids, they don't, they aren't forced to be bored. Mm -hmm. And so my dad used to always kind of, you know, ironically, my dad was just like really mixed guy, right? He, like he was kind of a shitty dude most of the time, but sometimes he would do things where you're like, wow, that was really smart. But he, he wanted me to be alone. Like mm-hmm. he, he said as a kid, he's like, you need to be alone. Like you need to be bored so you can develop an imagination and understand like how to like be a human. And I think because of social media, because of iPads, iPods, um, technology, I think kids are never really bored anymore. Mm-hmm. They always have some sort of stimulus. So yeah. to your point, I think the younger generation is really ill-equipped. Um, and when I say younger generation, I, I mean literally like the, the, you know, the kids that are in high school and probably below, mm-hmm. they've always had some sort of extensive exposure to stimulus. So they've never just been alone. And so if it wasn't their iPads, it was their friends. And if it wasn't their friends, it was their iPad. And so I think what's happening is a lot of these kids are now alone and they don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, I think the way that I intuitively knew that was because 
growing up, both my older sisters did not want to play with me. <laughs> so I was kind of forced to be alone and play by myself. Yeah. Um, so I did have to become very, very imaginative and play with, you know, whatever was around me, whether that be Lego, right. action figures, whatever it may right. be. Then I did, you know, become very imaginative. And, um, and I think that's kind of what gives me that edge of, you know, being able to be alone. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, for I mean, me, for me, it was GI Joe's. Like I, oh, yeah. I used to get, I used to get in trouble cause I'd sit there with my action figures and my GI Joe's and I just like play and play and play. And I'd end up in this really like immersed world. Right. Or like, uh, do you remember those little, those little green army guys. Oh yeah. For sure. like little plastic green army guys. These things like cost, like couldn't cost more than like a dollar to make, but oh, yeah. they, you'd have thousands of them and you'd find them buried in the yard all over the damn place. Nice. Um, we'd have full on, I'd have full on wars, you know? And yeah. like, I think back to my kids now and, you know, though I try, um, they don't have that. And if I'm honest, because they're twins, they're, they always have each other. Yeah. Yeah. So they're really never alone. And so this idea of like isolation for them, like I don't, they would have no clue how to yeah. handle that. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, and I mean, there's I think, a, there is a fine line, I think, you know, right. Be, you know, and, and like we always talk about, right. So the duration that you're in it, like, um, I mean, I think exposure therapy, right. Like, exposing them to being alone um and it doesn't have to be like a timeout it could be right. like, okay we're gonna go in separate rooms we're gonna meditate we're gonna breathe we're just gonna focus on right. breathing um right. but yeah i mean i think that you know you're right this generation has something has something to do um and, it, and it's not always alone and um you know we'll, we'll see how it uh, plays out in the future but i think that you know equipping our, our younger generation with um, tools to be alone and, and being okay with being alone, I think is going to be um, the bigger factor there. Well, and I think that goes back to my, my Instagram post regarding Wally yeah. was that, you know, as people like we continue to get lazier and more sloth like, and we get more brittle and injuries are more frequent and all this stuff. But, but, the reality of it is, is that the human faction of us, the imagination, the exploration, that stuff is going away. And if you think about the education system, especially in California, and I can only speak to California, but as the state continues to run out of money, we're finding that programs that are imaginative based are going away. So arts, music classes, things like that. And so for me, um, I don't want to say my perspective is bleak, but I think that I am concerned with mankind because I don't, I don't see a direction we're going that benefits us as a culture. And I think going back to pain, uh, trying to go, go full circle with this, um, <laughs> going back to pain here, I think all of this stuff contributes more and more and more to the social perspective of pain. Right. And so, you know, when we think about this as a psychological a psychological, um, I don't know, a psychological checklist, if you will. Mm. If you're in a social setting that triggers you and that you're uncomfortable with, 
on a regular basis because you've never been in that social setting and you feel uncomfortable, you're priming yourself to have problems in those settings. So if you think about it, like if I'm always uncomfortable um, being with more than three people and my iPad not in front of me, then that's going to become a trigger that's going to move you closer to pain. And so the thing to understand about pain is we have a threshold with pain, right? So the idea is if we have a line and we'll, we'll call it, we'll put it on, on uh, the thermometer to make it easier. Or actually, no, Kai, the balloon is what we had talked about earlier. So we have a threshold in terms of a balloon. There's a point where a balloon pops. Like you can continue to blow in it as much as you want, but eventually it will pop. If I continue to blow in the balloon, blow, 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 it's going to get too big. That's kind of how this stuff works from an input perspective, right? So let's say I'm a former baseball player and I have damage in my shoulder from years of playing baseball. That's like five breaths, okay? And I carry that five breaths with me all the time. Then let's say I have a psychological issue um, with negative feedback loops and somatic errors in terms of um, things correlated to work. So every time I go to work, I'm guessing wrong what my day at work's gonna be like. And every day I'm like just more and more unhappy, which by the way, was me and mortgage, right? Um, that's a few more breaths. Now let's say I don't move around a whole lot because I work 40 hours a week. That's a few more breaths. Let's say uh, when I do move around, it's weightlifting and my reduced range of motions are going to now work against me instead of working for me a couple more breaths at some point they pop and we don't know where that is as practitioners but what i will say is if you're going to a practitioner who isn't evaluating all three of those perspectives of pain you're not going to get better so the reality is it's like we talk a lot about passive modalities of treatment you know if if I go to a massage therapist and all I do is get a massage and there's no direct connection to the person. And I don't, I just feel like I was like kind of shooed out the door. It's only going to further trigger the social portion of this. And it actually might make things worse. Right now, if I go to a massage therapist who does a really good job of taking the time to get to know me, connecting to me, uh, ask me how my day is, whatever else that means to you then that might serve me incredibly. That actually might be enough to get me out of pain. And the thing is, is that's not maybe what a massage therapist does, but that doesn't mean that they can't get you there because they fulfilled what you needed. And so I think that becomes like a really, really, really important idea here is, is that fulfillment of need in terms of pain solution. That doesn't mean your shoulder's better, right? But that might've taken enough breaths out of the balloon, let enough air out, right? That weird fart noise that it makes to, right? Um, <laughs> That, that took enough air out to get me out of pain, right? Which means that there's value in that. For sure. For sure. Um. I know you're thinking, Kai, I see those wheels spinning. Just let they're, it go. They're always spinning. Um, say it. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, going back to the whole idea that the work is never done, right? Um, you know, if you're still working that 40 hour job, you're still, um, you know, in that stressful environment, 
the balloon is just going to keep going up and then you go right. get a massage and it goes back down and then it goes back right. up the next day and then it comes back down. So, you know, there's, there's no like, I guess, quick fix. Like you right. never just let the whole air out. Um, it's a constant uh, work to be done. Right. And I think right. that, you know, once you get to uh, plug in root solution, um, then it becomes a little bit easier, right? Then the breaths don't become as large, I guess right. you could say. Um, right. And then you can hit and, and I think I think you build a governor, right? Like I think yeah. you, you start realizing as a human, like, oh, I'm getting close to that again. I need yeah. positive social interaction or I need whatever you need to get you there. And I think that's a really important to understand is I think a lot of times my patients will come to me for soft tissue stuff in their neck. And really that's not why they came to me. That That's why they told me they came to me, but I think maybe they just miss me and they want to interact with me and they want to have conversations that are fulfilling to them with somebody who cares about them. And mm -hmm. I think that's okay. That that's, that's really, really, really valuable um, in terms of helping people heal. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, that's, that is super valuable in and of itself. And I think that, um, I think I can try to tie this all in together. I'm going to give it a go. Um, it. so like if somebody, you know, is in that, that stage of their life where they're, um, thinking about a career change, thinking about, you know, they're working too much. Um, and all they do is get a massage after work or, you know, they go to drinking, whatever it may be. Um, you know, kind of going with our whole, you know, check yourself, um, you know, seeing where you're at, understanding that's not where you want to be, starting to take some action steps towards um, doing something different. So utilizing the task negative, right, as learning that if I do this, then it's, it's good, but it comes back the next day, right. which is something that I don't want. So then you're learning from that task negative. And then from learning that you, instead of going to drink by yourself, you go and have drinks with your friends. So you have positive interaction. Yes, you're still drinking, but you're, you're, you're positively interacting with your friends that then lets more air out from the balloon because you've learned that just drinking by yourself is not a good thing. And right. then the more that you positively interact, then you start learning from these people how to maybe release their stress differently right like maybe somebody goes to yoga maybe somebody meditates and they tell you oh you should meditate so then you instead of going to get a massage you meditate and then you let more air out and then that balloon becomes less and less inclined to be to have five breaths maybe it's now two breaths well and to, to that point also that also means that everything additional that you do is useful, right? Which means yeah. that now meditation has more value or mm -hmm. going to the gym has more value or mm -hmm. anything you do positively in your life is able to do what it's supposed to do in terms of value instead of being reductive and make things worse. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe there that you've had pain there that's been there for a long time, like biologically, like maybe it's knee pain, maybe it's back pain, whatever it is. Then you start to notice that go away. And then you don't have to go get those massages. You don't have to, right. you know, 
uh, avoid the stairs and take the elevator or whatever it may right. be, right? So then you start creating positive feedback loops, right? Right. The more that I learn from my mistakes and I do something about it, the better my life is. Right. Um, and I think that that's hopefully being able to wrap around everything, task negative, task positive, and, and how it relates to pain uh, and really having to understand like you have pain and there could be all three, right? You know, all three sections of it, biological, psychological, and social. Most likely it, it could be. Um, because I would argue, I would argue people like, I'm going to tell you guys like straight up, if you're in chronic pain, like if you have chronic shoulder pain because you have a labral tear, there's absolutely no chance that you don't have a psychological feedback problem as well. I don't know anybody who gets hurt and isn't frustrated about being hurt and upset about being hurt and sad about being hurt. Nobody. There's nobody who tears an ACL and has to not do what they want for 18 months, sit on crutches for 18 months. That's like stoked about that. So Unless you have to understand. What's that? Unless they didn't want to play in the first place. Unless they didn't want to play in the first place. Right? <laughs> so something to kind of consider here, guys, is that whether you think you have a psychological perspective or not to this stuff, odds are, unless you're an incredibly well-adjusted person, you're probably going to have a psychological component to all this as well. That said, a psychological component means that you're going to be more vulnerable to social triggers, right? So we talked about this before, but if I'm in freeze and I see the Oasis out there, that's the only time I see the Oasis, right? Like nobody sees the Oasis when things are good and like they're cool. People see the Oasis in the desert when they're in deep trouble. They're completely, you know, fallen and at the last stage of, of, of being alive, right? That Oasis is trying to help summon them to keep going. So you have to kind of keep in mind with, with all this stuff the reality is, is you definitely, definitely do have all three things and that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Don't run from it. Lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes along with, you know, utilizing that, um, utilizing the pain, utilizing the negative task, right. negative loop to then learn from it. Because right. uh, what does Einstein say? You can't solve a problem in the same cognitive frequency as the problem happened, right? Right. You have to have a different uh, mindset or different thinking of how to get out of that. So um, I think that kind of wraps it up. I hope that wraps it up. Yeah. Uh, We said a lot of stuff. Um, Guys, again, please stay connected to us. Like, I can't tell you how valuable the feedback is when we get text messages from you guys. Um, You have to realize that the individuals that have helped give me feedback, like literally sparked a whole episode today. And I think if I, if I'm honest, just from an outsider perspective, I think today's episode, I know of probably 10 people that I can send it to that I think this will be of use to. So please continue giving us as much feedback as you can. We love it. We are not offended by it. If something we say is confusing or the podcast felt off for whatever reason, or you just felt like you couldn't connect to the information, reach out to us. Like I we're here 
we want to hear it. We want to help you. We want to, we want to do anything we can to get you what you need. So um, thank you everybody that sent me those emails. Thank you everybody that, that I, I spoke to this last couple of weeks. Um, you guys are why we do this and, you know, we, we really do appreciate a lot. Yeah. Thank you everybody. And we will catch you next week. On the flippity flip. Flippity flop. Have a happy Thanksgiving, guys. Oh, yeah. Happy Turkey Day, everybody. (laughs) Take care and enjoy. Later.